This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Jim. Today's episode 239, and we're going to be interviewing Guy. How you doing, Guy? Pretty good. How are you, Jim? I'm doing well. So uh, let's dive in and get started. Uh, you excited to do this? Yeah, I actually am very excited to do this, yes. All right, cool. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell me about your childhood and growing up. All right. Uh, I was born, born and raised in Gloucester, Massachusetts. Um, I, I'm not going to say I had a good childhood. And let me say on the record right now, anything I say about my family during my story was said back then it has nothing to do with right now, Jim. Uh, I made amends with my everybody in my family before they passed away. Oh, great. So growing up, um, I grew up in the crack boom of the eighties. Um, you know, my mother was a crackhead growing up. My father wasn't around. Um, my stepfather at that time, my father, my brother's father, uh, he was, he was into the crack really bad. So when I was a kid, I, I, I got away with things, you know, I, I, unfortunately, my first drug use was at the age of six. Um, oh my, my God. family was, yeah, my family was passing around the joint. My cousin, he's three years <laughs> older than me. He's like, Oh, let me take a first, a fake hit, a fake hit. So like, Oh, cause they thought it was cool back then. They were young, young, young parents. So they did. And then I'm like, oh, I want to take one. I want to take one. And I literally put it to my lips and took a real hit. And, uh, you know, it's a horrible thing. You know, I. Do you remember I what it my, felt like? I remember it put me to sleep immediately. Okay. And, uh, but just to get that in your system at that young of an age, is it, it's, it's wrong. It's the wrong, you know. Yeah. I, I blame actually my, think, I think that's the youngest I've heard. And I, we were just talking about done a lot of interviews. Um, that's very, very young. I can't, because I have a daughter now and I can't imagine yes. at six years old doing any type of drugs. And back then it was, uh, I'm not going to say it was okay. Cause it wasn't like, you know, I had my, I had a young mother, you know, my, my mom was young. She had me, she was 18 when she had me. And, um, you know, I had an absent father and, and you know, my mom got into the drugs really bad and, and my, I, me and my brother had two completely different lives. Um, we're in the same household, but we had two different lives. I don't say this out of um, jealousy or anything like that. I'm actually over it. Um, my brother was treated like a little king. Like he did never did wrong. If he did, if he, if he did something wrong, I got hit for it. Vice versa, whatever, whatever. And it wasn't my mother; it was myself. <clears throat> you know, so um, he was physically abusive. Yeah, just towards me, not towards my brother, just towards me. So what happened was uh, when I was 11, they took me out of the home. Uh, the state came in. Yeah, back then it was DCF. That's what it was called. They got into the picture. They took me, just me out of the home, not my brother. And um, so I had problems, problems in school. You know what I mean? Uh, I always got suspended in school every other day, every other day, you know. So... 
I was in the alternative school. You know, I, what I, kind I, of stuff? What kind of stuff would get you suspended? Swearing at my teachers, just being disruptive, just all in all, just being an asshole. You know, like <laughs> I was a really, I was a jerk as a kid. You know, I, I had no respect for anybody. And wow, it's amazing. You know, Jim, thank you so much for doing this. I'm sitting here thinking about my childhood right now, and um, wow. You know, there was love in my family and there was, it wasn't like it was just all drugs and there was no, that's not how it was. But I talked to my mother through a door for a good four or five years. Um, what do you I was mean 12 years door? old. What do you mean through she a door? A she was a crackhead. She was, she was in her bedroom with the door shut. So whenever gotcha. I want something, mom, mom through the door, you know. When they came in and they said they were going to take me and my brother completely from my mother, she stopped. And she did. And I'll give my mom a lot of credit for that. She got clean from crack. <laughs> um, when I was 12 years old, I was playing a pickup game of football. And my cousin, God rest his soul, uh, he tackled me. When he tackled me, my left leg stopped where it was supposed to. And my right leg, my kneecap slid to the side. My toes came straight up. And I'm like, almost high hyperextended. I tore everything you could possibly tear in your knee at the age of 12. So I had a doctor that um, they couldn't do a permanent surgery because my growth plates were still open. So they couldn't back then. That's how they did surgery. They couldn't drill through my growth plates for permanent surgery. So I had a doctor that was, I was 12 years old. He was giving me 275, 10 milligram Vicodins every three weeks until oxys came out when I was about 15. And then he gave me the 275, 10 milligram Vicodins and hundred oxy eighties for 11 years. Straight every three weeks, like clockwork. Yes, he was a crooked doctor. I used to walk up to I I I literally used to carry my crutches because he used to live right on the other side of my house. So I carry my crutches to the fence, throw them over the fence, jump over the fence, hobble through his parking lot. He'd meet me at the back door. He'd give me pills in a box. Like he'd give me a sample box of pills. You know what I mean? Because he was that doctor that you go to his um, office. And he'd have prescription pads already made out for uh, painkillers. You know what I mean? And all you'd have to do is write in a number. That was it. You know, after I, you know, I had a mother. Sorry about that. For a long time, you know, my mother was in, you know, got into the pills really bad, too. My mom did. So when I was 12, 13 years old, my mother would be the one to call my doctor and get my pills for me. You know what I mean? And, and me and my mother had a drug relationship for a really long time. And uh, from the age of 12, I started smoking pot with my mother when I was 12 years old. Like religiously smoking pot with my mother every day at the age of twelve. Um, then she I don't know my, if you uh, would know the I don't know if you would know the answer to this. What age did your mom start using? Was she like around the same age when she started using? My mom was about uh, sixteen when she started using. Okay, so um, she started much later. Yes, and that was more along the lines of uh, my mother grew up in an abusive family. Uh, her father was an alcoholic. He died when she was ten. Uh, my grandmother was very abusive to my uh, mother, my aunt, all my aunts. You know, my, 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 my grandfather died. My mom was 10 years old. My, my grandmother never went with another guy again, ever. She took care of four girls herself, worked every everything she had. She, everything. Back in them days, it was a lot different. It was okay to hit your kid back then. You know, um, I mean, it wasn't okay, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, no, I, I'm old enough to know. I'm not going to lie to you. If I didn't get a lot of the wax I got, I probably would have turned out 10 times worse than I did now. You know, but 
it's still not good to hear your kid. You know that. Yeah. But um, so when that happened, when I turned, <clears throat> uh, I was about 23 years old, and uh, I was eating the Oxys at the time. My friend was like, sniff one. And I did. Never ate another Oxy again. So about a year later, I was 20, oh, 24. Me and my friend were roofing. We're doing a roofing job together. So I'm a commercial fisherman by trade. I'm from Gloucester. It's a, a normal thing. But at this time, we were roofing. And um, I didn't have it. I was starting to get sick. And uh, he's like, oh, I got heroin. I'm like, what? I just... I, I'm with the gang out with the kid every day. Like I was probably, how'd you get that? How'd you get that by me? You know what I mean? And um, he's like, Hey, just try a little line. And I did. And I was instantly from that time on, I never did another oxy again. It's just uh, sniffing heroin religiously. And then uh, it's weird. Actually, same scenario. We were on the roof about six months later. And uh, we had like a 40 between the both of us. It wasn't going to get us both from being sick. And he was like, um, you want to try shooting it? I've been doing it for about a week now, and I'm just looking at this kid like I'm like I hang out with you every day. Like, how am I missing this shit? You know what I mean? So um, I just put my arm out and turned my head. And I'm like, you done? And as soon as I felt it, I'm not gonna lie, I fell in love instantly. And um 22 straight years I shot heroin. And uh you know, uh wow. Yeah, a long time. You know, I was an addict. I am an addict. 32 years I started. Started at the age of 12, and I stopped a year ago. But before all that, like, I had moved to Southern California, like, skipping it. Sorry to skip that all that. Can be thinking about a million different things. I'm sorry. Oh, no, take your time. But just going back a little bit, how did, yeah, you, do, how did yeah. you do in school growing up? How did all that affect your social life and the way, you know, grades and things like that? My grades were horrible. Uh, I had to quit school when I was 16. Um, you know, it's weird as you grow up, people tell you, oh, you were a good looking <laughs> kid. I was that shy kid that didn't really talk to girls. Uh, I hate even saying this. I was a virgin until I was 18 years old. You know what I mean? And it's not, it's funny because as you get older, all these girls that you like had crushes on as kids, they're like, oh, I thought you were so gorgeous, really. Why'd you speak up 25 years ago? You know what I mean? It's funny. Yeah, no, I know. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, it's just cracked me up. But, you know, it, it made my social life hard because I immediately gravitated towards drug addicts and the, and the people that aren't doing good in school. And, you know, when people would come over to my house, my house was the party house. When I was 14 years old, my mother, we lived in this place called uh, Riverdale Park. It's uh, low-income housing. She met my stepfather, who, God rest his soul, well, not my brother's father. It's another guy. Guy Ron, God rest his soul, one of the greatest guys I've ever met in my life. I love love him to death, dude. Like he was such an incredible guy. And um she let me live in the she let me live in the public housing alone. She lived with him. So I was 14 years old and I had my own apartment and I could have parties every single night. Nobody cared. My next door neighbors didn't care. Nobody cared. My mother would come there. Once she'd stay there one night a week to make it look like she stayed there, she'd fill the house with food and just let me sit there and party all week. And that, you know, it's horrible. I think about it now. And, uh, you know, the 12, 13 friends that I had, there's only two of us still alive right now. And that's um, when fentanyl came out. But um, that's crazy. That's a lot of people to lose. 
yeah, and it's, uh, it's actually three of us. There's one of them still running right now, and uh, I try to help him, but I can't. I can't. It's I can only do so much. You know, I can't. Um, can't be around someone that's constantly using and doesn't want to try. Like if you can't help yourself, I can't help you. Like and that's and that's the God's answer. It took me a long time to realize that. Yeah, I was gonna say we know better than anybody. You have to want to help yourself if you want to yeah. get better. And that's the thing is when uh, you're using, like with me with the fentanyl. So as a child growing up, drugs were a natural thing for me. Like it, it, when I went to friends' houses and their family didn't get high, that was weird to me. Like, like to me, that was like, wow, your family goes to drugs. Really? You know, in school, they had the dare program and all that. And they'd be talking about drugs in there. And like, it's pretty bad when they're. You got an officer in there talking about drugs. You know more about them drugs than the, than the officer does. And you're only 10 years old, you know? Um, so when they came in, they did that. When all that happened, so I, you know, three, four years went along. I, I was in that apartment, partied every night, all that. That was before the dope. So, so <clears throat> when I turned 18, I moved in with my grandmother. And my cousin now, oh yeah, let me back that up real quick. So growing up, me and my brother had a cousin, and I just found out about my brother. Brother, this happened to my brother about six months ago. But um, we had a cousin that molested us as kids, and um, I think about this all the time. The cousin that molested me, I pushed that down so far that me and him were best friends growing up. All the way growing up through life, I looked up to him. I, you know what I mean. Even this is even after he did all that to me as a kid, and I pushed that back so far into my memories that that it was okay. And the crazy thing is, is uh, about two years ago he got charged for molesting his niece. He got acquitted of it, but I honestly do think he did. I mean, I know what he did to me. You know what I mean. So my brother, about six months ago, me and him were sitting down talking, and uh, he's clean now too, but he he looked at me and he was like, hey, um, and I'm not going to say his name because whatever, but did cousin, you know, this is what he did to me. And listen, Jim, I turned my head and looked at my brother and tears came out of my eyes. That's my younger brother. Like I wasn't able to protect him. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. how I felt about that. You know, and it, it is what it is and whatever. But that's how much you can repress memories like that. Because I, I literally, 30 years went by before I popped in my head was like, wait a minute. Wait, why am I hanging? Wait, what? And I didn't take it to that fence. I can beat him up and all that. I just I just don't talk. You know what I mean? And that's easier for me to do that, you know? You know, Jim, my wife, who is an enormous part of my life, um, you know, when I was in, so this is what happened. I, I, I was living with that cousin, and um, you ever seen the show Catfish? No, no, I never people heard. People go online, they perceive to be people that they're not. They, they date people for months or whatever. But anyway, that happened to me. Okay, I met this girl online. She was in Southern. Uh, she was in Southern California, and online she was five one, one hundred thirty pounds. In person. She was 6'1", 275 pounds. <laughs> now, I had already gone to California. All right? On a whim. My whole mind was like, you know what? I can't make it out here. Let me try in California. 
So I did. And when I seen her, I was like, holy shit. Listen, I went out there. I didn't know anybody except her. All right. And this is what I did because I know. And this is crazy. And I knew and I knew this then. This was five years ago, six years, seven years ago. I knew that if I went to meetings when I first got to California, that I would connect with the right people and I could do the right thing out there. And I knew that. Not knowing anybody, I did that, Jim. I, I, I stayed with her for one week. I, I wouldn't have sex with her. I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. And I have nothing against fat people. It's just not my cup of tea. You know what I mean? So I just couldn't do it. So she's like, all right, well, you got to leave. I'm like, all right. She was expecting me to say, oh, no, please don't kick me out. I was like, all right, see you later. I had already set up a sober house and everything. You know what I mean? Just for that reason. You know, I, us addicts were very, very, very intuitive and reliable. When we got our minds set on something, we can get it done. You know? And that's what I did. So I was out in Southern California for three years. I ended up going to college while I was out there with a black tie habit, homeless, pulling a 3.8 grade point average because I had nothing better to do all day. So I went to school. You know what I mean? I was homeless. I went to school all day, went in the bathroom, got high, came up. You know what I mean? And I took things that I took. I took American history from the beginning of time, American military history, and automotive fabrication and reconstruction. Now, the two things I first mentioned are things that are instilled in us in Boston our whole lives. You know what I mean? Because this is where America started. So I was, that's the only reason I was pulling grades like that, because it was shit I already knew, you know? But uh, I got a piece of metal in my finger. I got Mercer in my finger. And um, I got so far behind the school, like there was no way for me to catch back up. So instead of going and talking to my professors, I just bought a ticket to come back home, then went and talked to my professors. And they were all like, oh, we will set it up for you. to. What are you doing? Like, we will put you in detox if you're willing to come back to school. Like, that's how much people try to help you. Like, that's it, crazy, dude, because that's added to my mind. It's like, oh, right, you'll do that. But what do you really want? Because that's what my mind says to me, you know, it, it, when I'm getting high and when I'm out there running amok and I'm being a nitwit and I'm doing all because that's what it is. I, I, and, and I'll say this, and I hate this word. I hate this word more than anything. But when I was a junkie, right, <clears throat> I didn't care about anybody. Nobody. Not myself, not my mother, nobody. All right. So for anybody to sit there and say when they're in a relationship, and oh, I love you. No, you don't. Right, no, you know, like even my wife, when we were getting high together, yeah, me and my wife fell in love before we, like, we were together before we said, I was getting high, she wasn't when we first got together. And I did, I love my wife, my wife, you know, you're a dead shell of a person, you know. So, this is what happened with me about uh 17 months ago. Me and my wife we were living in a hotel, and uh, Jim, we were doing good, we were, I was selling dope, I didn't have to stop getting high, I was smoking, <laughs> smoking crack and selling dope, thinking I'm living great, you know. But I'm not. I'm miserable. You know that. Yeah. As happy, the happiest you can be high, you're still miserable. I don't care. You're miserable. But um, I started getting pains in my back, and I didn't know why. I'm like, the hell? So one day, it got so bad that if I was laying on my back, if I sat up, every muscle of my back would contract. And it was the most excruciating pain I ever felt in my life. And it kept happening. So, and this is I was going to a Suboxone clinic, giving them somebody else's urine so I get my Suboxones and sell them to get dope. So my nurse there, she's like, guys, she's like, um, 
You sure you don't have an infection in your spine? I'm like, no, my doctor said I'm pulling muscle or something. It's like three months went by and I went and seen an infectious disease doctor because it wasn't healed. But they did a biopsy. I had an actual parasite in my spine. And they ate in between my L3 and 4. And at the time that I seen this doctor, if I had seen him one week later, I'd be paralyzed right now from the legs down. How this parasite got in my body is I shot in my foot and I missed. And it traveled up my leg and it settled in my spine. And it almost paralyzed me. And that scared me more than dying. Because I don't want to have to explain to people every single day why I'm paralyzed. And that's what's going to happen. You know, I... Jim, that scared me enough to, when that happened, I, this, so this is what happened. I went to the hospital. They were going to send me home with a pick line. And I don't know if you know what a pick line is, but a pick line goes directly to your heart. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, um, it's an IV that's exposed, so you can put, um, they were going to let me do my own antibiotics at home through an IV. I walked in that office that day, and I said, listen, if you send me home with that, I will use that to get high, and I know I will, all right? And that scared me because a pick line, it hangs about uh, a quarter of an inch from your heart. And all the antibiotics you get drip directly onto your heart. Directly onto your heart. Jim, that scared me. Like, if it, I missed with that parasite. That was God working in my life. All right. Because if I had hit with that parasite, I wouldn't be here right now. All right. I didn't believe in God until this happened. And I'm, I'm dead serious with everybody. I had zero spirituality in my life. Before this happened, okay, this happened to me, and and I'm telling you, like I want to cry when I talk about it because it it was the most profound thing that ever happened in my life, and it was the most like jarring, like just like slap in the face, like listen, buddy, you're 44 years old. What the fuck are you doing with your life? Like Jim, I fished most of my life. Jim, I could have thousands. Hundreds, tens of thousands I made. I'm 44 years old. Right now, I live in a sober house. Okay. You know, I just got a job at the MBTA. All right. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's the uh, it's the subway. Where you, you in New Jersey? Yeah, I'm in Jersey. It's the subway for us. It's a Boston subway. Gotcha. That's a very good job. Yeah. It would never happen if I was getting high. All right. When I got high, I... Went out fishing long enough to make enough money to get high, and I stay home for a little while, and then I do it again. I've had a million different jobs, Jim. Roofing, um, landscaping, masonry. I'm a jack of all trades. I could build you a house from the ground up, but I have zero licenses to prove that. All right. Even filling out the resume right now, Jim, like, you know, because of getting high, I fill out this resume and I got so many work gaps. You know what I mean? That's like, how do you explain those work gaps? You can't tell a normal person, an employee, hey, I was out shooting dope. Sorry. You, know, you can't do that. But now, like, I'm trying to get into the field of addiction. I want to help people. Like, I see people now high. For instance, I was in the subway the other day, actually. I, uh, <laughs> I saved someone's life the other day, Jim. And uh, really? there's nobody around, nobody around me knew what to do. And I had knocking in my pocket because I carry knocking around because I care about people. Um, now it's the other thing. When I stopped getting high and this happened to me. Dude, the feelings that came back or the feelings that I never even knew I had. Like the ability to cry, the ability to feel empathy for other people, 
the ability to, you know, because if you look at me, most people look at me, I just look like an asshole. I do look like an asshole. You know what I mean? I'm a sarcastic prick. You know what I mean? Like, and but I'm a very kind person today. When I was getting high, Jim, you wouldn't have came anywhere near me. And I would have made sure of that because that's what I did. I was an asshole all the time to make sure nobody came close enough to me to get close to me, except for my wife. So when that happened to me, I went into detox for a week. And what my wife did was she stayed out for another week. So when I got out of detox, she went into detox. So now that gives us two weeks away from each other. You understand? Yeah, no, I understand. So so what happened now was um, suboxins didn't work for me because I knew that if I took a suboxin, all I have to do is not take it and I can get high. And I knew that. You know what I mean? But heroin is a fentanyl. Is, is listen like I try to tell these young kids these days like you're not doing heroin you're doing fentanyl you have no idea what heroin is you know like, or laying in your laying in your bed kicking heroin with like no suboxone to help the pain or anything like that you know what I mean like I, I don't have to live like that when I get sick today it's because I'm sick all right it's because I actually have a fucking cold all right it's because I actually have to go to a doctor and get an antibiotic it's not because I'm laying there having to go get a fucking shot. Like I sit there and think about that all the time. Like I can't believe that I used to use myself as a pincushion. I had a cousin who was one of the first people to die of heroin overdose in Gloucester. He was my favorite cousin. And you would have thought like that would have been enough. And it's not. It's not. It's. I want to change the stigma stigma of how people look at us. All right. Because people do look at us in in a bad light. But I'm going to tell you right now, us recovering addicts, and even addicts, listen, addicts that are out there, if you're out there struggling, listen, it's life is so much better like this. So much better like this. You don't have to chase anybody around. You don't have to beg people for shit. You know what I mean? You don't have to, you don't have to demoralize yourself for a fucking drug. Like, come on. Like, that. that's what I think about. A powder. A simple powder. Brought me to my fucking knees. Brought me to that point that like, I wished every shot I did was my last one. No matter how much I love my wife, my stepkids, I wished every single time that when I pushed that in, please just fucking kill me. You know what I mean? The couple of times I got knocked, I looked at the person like, why'd you fucking knock me? What the fuck? You know what I mean? Like that's, that's horrible. You know, me and my mom had that relationship, but let me say this real quick. My mom died three years ago. She died. Um, she died the day after this Patriots beat the Rams in the Super Bowl. Um, I went to her house for the Super Bowl. Me and my wife went there, and yes, we had loaded, loaded, loaded needles. I would never do sniff doping. That's one thing I left out. This destroys me. This is why I left it out. And this just popped in my head. I'm sorry to skip around like this, but. It's the first time I've ever admitted this, and I'm going to admit this on your podcast. And I don't care if you put it on your podcast. I want you to. Before I moved to California, um, I was at my aunt's house, and and my uh, mom was there, and she was pill sick. I had dope on me, and I wouldn't give it to her. I'm like, nope. And I was sick, but I shot it, and I refused to sniff it at that time. But I won't shoot it in front of my mother. She knows that. You know what I mean? 
but there's no lock on the bathroom door either. So everywhere I'm going, she's following me. Like, just give me a line. Just give me a line. No, 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 no. And finally, my sickness was so bad. And, and, and I had no morals, no care, no nothing. I gave my mother that line of fucking dope. And my mom died. She overdosed. And I live with that still. And I know it's not my fault. I know that. But that's still something I had to live with, you know. Like that that that's what drugs brought me. Drugs brought me to the point that I didn't give a fuck about giving my mother a line of dope that sent her on a path of addiction. She ended up on the methadone clinic. And the night after that fucking the night after that game, I didn't give my mother the dope, so don't think that I'm not gonna say who did, but he is a family member. That next morning I love me for it. During the game. It was halftime. My wife didn't feel good. And I'm like, so I'm like, mom, we're going to go home. She was sleeping anyway. So it didn't matter. <clears throat> she's like, no, no, no. I'm like, and this, I'm so, Jim, I'm so glad I have this. The last thing I ever said to my mother was, mom, I love you. And I'll see you in the morning for coffee. It was the last thing I ever said to her. And um, again, I know it's not my fault. And I know, you know, the pills and all that. It's the same thing as the dope. And maybe she was doing it before. I, I have no idea. But what I do know is I know I gave my mother a line of dope. And that next day, I moved to California. And I called her fucking four months later. And she was doing dope every day. And I know I lived with that for a long time. And I just... In the past two weeks, I've forgiven myself for that. Because that's not my fault. My mother's an adult. She had her own mind. She... And to do it with your kid anyway is kind of fucked up anyway. So, but anyway, um, yeah, I mean, she's, she's her own person, and for all you know, she would have found it anyway from someone else. Right. Yeah, you're right. And uh, you know, I, like I said, me and my mom made her amends before she passed away, and and I have told her a million times, I'm so sorry for doing it. And she's like, guys, it's not your fault. Like, how is that your fault? You know what I mean? She's like, all right, I'm so sorry for smoking crack in front of you your whole life. Okay, touche, you got me there. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I, my life is so much different now, Jim. Like, I wake up every day. And you, <laughs> I have people say to me all the time, guy, why do you wake up happy? Every, how? How do you wake up happy every single day? You know how? I listen to stand-up comedy in my headphones every night when I go to sleep. And that's no lie. I tried it one time and I woke up happy. It's been every day since then. Every day for the past nine months, I listen to stand-up comedy in my headphones. And I wake up happy every day. So I, I don't fix it. I, I do it every night and it works. So meetings, I go to meetings when I can. Now, when I can, I, you know, I have a sponsor. I call a sponsor. You know, when I first did this, I thought I could do it by myself. And I really did. And uh, and I did because I you know I get a shot every month that blocks. I get a supplicate shot every month. And uh, the best thing about that, and I'm not going to lie to you, the best thing about that shot is you get the shot and you just forget you're on it. That's it. Just one time a month, I have to deal with a doctor. That's it. You know what I mean? And uh, it's what not even a shot that blocks it. It's just, I was going back to ask, is that the stuff that blocks you from getting high? No, what's so, yeah, it is. But what it is, it's called sublocate. It's uh, it's suboxone. But you shoot it and it, it, it forms a port in your stomach and it lets out uh, three suboxones worth a day. You know what I mean? So you don't have to remember taking anything at and the thing I try to tell people is if you're going to go this route, you need to be 100% sure you want to be clean because you will die before you get high. You'll overdose before you get high. You know what I mean? 
And you know, as addicts, we'll keep trying because that's what we do, you know. And uh, so, so anybody I tell anybody, so listen, I'm a big promoter of the Subway shot. If I could travel the country and promote this thing, I would because it saved my fucking life and it really did. Um, but you need to be 100% sure that's what you want to do because, you know, I, and here's the thing with the shot, and I'll be dead honest. It does something to the receptors in your brain. It, it, it cures them. And it, I literally have not thought about shooting dope not one time in 15 months. It hasn't even crossed my mind. I've been around it, not willingly. I've been around it. I've been people on it, not. And the only thing I think when I see that shit, I can't believe I used to fucking be like that. You know, and it's not that I'm not saying I'm better than that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I can't believe I let a substance. Not a person, not my kid. I don't have any kids. I have stepkids who I love to death that I would do anything for. Um, but I let a substance bring into my knees like that. For 22 years, I shot that shit. Statistically, I shouldn't be here right now. But I am, and there's a reason I am. And uh, I'm going to exploit that reason, because I really feel that that reason is, is to show everybody that we are, we just made mistakes, man. And anybody that did it as long as I did, you know that, like, along the way, yeah, I've made a lot of enemies along the way. But you know what? In the past 15 months, Jim, I've, I've, uh, <laughs> I don't think I have any money enemies right now. I mean, I probably have people that didn't like me from years ago, but does that really matter? Um, but as far as today goes, like being clean and, and not having to deal with the bullshit and not having to, the main thing is having to chase people around. You know what I mean? Or not own money. Or when I do something for somebody, it's because I genuinely want to do it. It's not because I have to do it, you know? Or the other thing is, is being able to pick and choose who you hang out with. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like when you're the biggest thing for me right here, I'm not even lie, I'm off Saturday. This was the biggest thing for me, Jim. When I got clean, the sound of the birds, the smells that you never even knew were there, right? Dude, listen, there were statues in my hometown that have been there my whole fucking life that I never even knew were there. You know what I mean? Your mind opens up when you get clean and you get past. Because listen, when you first get clean, yes, you hit that pink cloud where everything's great and wonderful. But I'm going to tell you right now, at eight months, you hit that fucking like, holy shit, where did these feelings come from? You know what I mean? And that's the hardest part. Like for me, it was it was where to displace my emotions. You know what I mean? Like like the anger part, we got that done. We got that done. That's no problem. We, I, that's, you know what I mean? But my biggest thing was where to displace that anger, and in 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 why was I mad? Who was I mad at? What it all boiled down to was me. Everything that happened in my life boils down to me. You know what I mean? Like it. it May have been my mother's fault from like the age of, I don't know, we'll say born till 15. All right. But anything after that, Jim, you got your own mind. You know what's going on. You know right from wrong. You know, you know, you shouldn't be, you know what I mean? When I stuck that needle in my arm, it wasn't my buddy's fault. It was my fault. When I sniffed that line of dope, that was my fault. Yeah, you can blame my doctor for all that shit. And yes, he did get me addicted rather quickly in life. But Jim, I, I'm, I'm glad I lived the life I lived. And I'm not lying to you. Like, I'm really glad that I did. I learned a lot. You know, like, I, if you had taken any normal person and dropped them in Southern California with no one, not knowing anybody, I probably don't think they would have survived. 
and I did for three years. I didn't call home for anything, nothing for three years. And I survived all that because I can survive. You know, like getting into the fear of the recovery is what I want to do eventually. I get the recovery coach thing and all that. But like right now, my main thing right now is like I got a job, man. You know what I mean? I don't have to run to Flacco every week and be like, hey, here's your money. Can you front me more? I don't have to do that. You know what I mean? I'm going to get, get my license back next week. I haven't had a license in 22 years. All right. Sorry. You don't know if you're smoking. Oh, Sorry. You don't promote smoking? You okay, right? No, I haven't smoked. I have no idea. Jim, people have weird rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you did this, though, bud. For real. Like you, it, it, This is probably one of the best things I've done in a long time. And you brought out a lot of feelings I haven't had in a long time. And I'm glad. And you brought up a lot of memories that I brought up, actually, that, that I haven't had in so, so, so long. You know, yo, buddy, yo, but yeah, that's awesome. It's so good. You know what I mean? And, and my grandmother, my, you know, like my cousin just got acquitted on those charges I was talking about. Me and my brother were talking the other day, and there's no statute of limitations on that shit. You know what I mean? But like I said to my brother, I'm like, you know, I said, how do you feel about it now? You know what I mean? He's like, I really don't care, honestly. He goes, it's out there. You know, me talked about it. Just let him live his life, man. God, God. you know, listen, I, I told you before, I didn't believe in God until this happened, Jim. And uh, I pray every night, every morning. <laughs> so it sounds like life's treating you good nowadays. Really good. Really good. Yeah, I don't want to drag it on with you either. I don't want to. Sorry. But... No, no, that's it's all right. I'm getting towards the end here. So, um, <laughs> I mean, I'm really happy that you're doing well. Like that you talked about a lot of stuff today. I want to thank you for doing this. It means Absolutely. a lot. And without, just... without you guys, I got nothing. Yeah, no, you're right. And without you, I'm not going to lie. Without you doing this, I got a lot of things I need to do now. Thanks. <laughs> do my, You're do my fourth, you know, do that fourth step again. Thanks, Jim. No problem. You gotta do your steps. That's important. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. And that's the other thing too. That I want to let anybody out there know that's watching this or anything like that. Don't be afraid of that, man. Don't be afraid of them steps. Don't be afraid of people in NAA. Raise your hand. And I'm not promoting it or anything like that. But I'm saying, raise your hand. Ask for help. Because if you don't ask for help, you're not gonna get it. You know what I mean? Like, like. Yeah. Listen. There's got to be a point in your life where you say to yourself, I just can't do this anymore. I want something better because that's what I want. This is my point. I'm going to be 46 years old next Sunday. And uh, I'm at that point right now that if I do something right now, I won't have to work into my 70s. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't want I don't want to be 75 years old, Jim. Fuck it. Working. I want to be 75 years old. Me and my wife travel the country. And that's the other thing I want to say. My wife got clean. After I got clean, it was enough to get my wife clean too. I'm not saying I got my wife clean. She made up her mind and decided that her marriage and her life was more important than drugs. Because I told her straight out, if you don't get clean, I have to leave. Bye. I can't do it. Sorry. And that's not, I love my wife more than anything in this world, but I also love my life more than anything in this world. You know? Yeah, you gotta look out for yourself first. It's just the way it is. Yeah, if you can't love yourself, you can't love anybody. That's... So let me ask you this. You kind of gave a bunch of advice, which I appreciate. Do you have any other advice for people watching and listening? Just don't be afraid. Like I, That was the biggest thing for me was fear of getting clean 
and being like not having anything to do or who's going to hang out with me. Listen, I'm going to tell you, when you get clean, you will be surprised. Listen, I have people today that are like, you're still alive? Oh, my God. What do you – so many people that you wouldn't even think would help you will help you in a heartbeat if you ask for help. Like, and it's not – if you turn around and say to someone, hey, can I get 50 bucks? They're going to laugh at you. But if you say, hey – I'm thinking about getting high. Can we talk? I guarantee they talk to you. You know, like I just don't be afraid. Like that was my biggest thing. Being afraid kept me in a hotel for 22 years getting high. I lost so much because of that. If you're young and you're watching this, get it now. Get it now. Don't be 46 years old trying to start your life when as a 20 year old, because that's what I'm doing right now. I'm starting over at the age of 18. You know what I mean? And that's not right. You know, just, um, Stay away from that fucking fentanyl. That's all I can say. That shit. I've lost like 18 friends in the past three years. As a matter of fact, I went to my hometown the other day, yesterday, and found out I lost two more in the past three days. All right. That shit's no fucking good. Like, none of it's any good. We all know that. If you if you, if you want to live a shitty life, do it. If you want to live a good life, I've lived both lives. So I'm going to tell you guys something right now. It's only been 15 months of this life. And these 15 months out-exceeded those 22 years by far, okay? I, I, I can walk down the street. I, I can't even – I can't not pat a dog when it walks down the street these days, all right? I'm, listen, my shittiest day clean is better than any day I've ever had high. I'll tell you, when I help somebody today, it feels so fucking good to know that I'm helping that person and not expecting anything in return. That's an amazing, it's an amazing feeling. Better than any high I've ever done in my life. But I just want, you know, and that's the other thing, man. Like, if you're, and I don't know if you might be doing this or not. Like, if you're struggling, you need someone to talk to, Guy us. look me up on Facebook. I don't care. Call me anytime you want. Morning, noon, and night. You're struggling, you fucking call me. I don't care. I will help you in any way I can. And that's it. I, I will help any... Any addict on this planet that's willing to put in 50%, I'll put in the other 50%. Just give me that. All right? Just leave me. Let me lead you to detox, and I will help you in any way possible. That's it. That's Thank it, you, you know? That, man. No problem, but That's huge. Yeah, because I know a lot of people don't want to throw the last name out. I don't care. Like, I... I don't want anybody more dying from the shit, dude. We got this. Is too much shit going on in this world to have to worry about fucking. I you know. I, listen, I got a 22 year old stepson who is a fucking knucklehead. All right, he's the biggest knucklehead on this planet. Okay, doesn't want to work. Doesn't want to do shit. Treats his grandmother like she's just an asshole. Right. I know. What I mean, I'd love to slap the kid around, but they ain't gonna do anything. We all know that. I talked to him yesterday, and I'm like, listen, what are you gonna do when everybody in your family's gone? What are you gonna do? Because I'm not taking care of you. No fucking way. You know what I mean? You just don't get it, man. The kids, the kids overdose like three times. It's like, come on, buddy. Like, it's, you're destroying your mother, first of all. You know. But that's it, though, Jim. Like, listen, if uh, when does do you, when will this go out? By the way, I will talk about it in a sec. I'll get you okay. the information. Sorry, I'm sorry, but I thought we were still recording. I no honestly, Jim, I'm not gonna lie to you. Anybody that's willing to do this, just so you know, when you're talking to Jim, it's not a bad thing at all. But it's just like talking, you know, what I, mean? I honestly feel like I'm. Not a therapist, but more along the lines of like, a, I feel like I'm in the speaker meeting and you're just raising your hand asking questions. That's what I feel like. 
Yeah, that's what. That's the kind of atmosphere I try and go for. Yeah, no, you you, you nailed it. You nailed it, but you know you don't interrupt. You don't that 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 that's big. Not interrupting. Yeah, appreciate that. Do me a favor, sit tight for a moment. Absolutely. All right, everyone watching and listening, if you like what you saw and heard, go below and give us a like. Also, subscribe to see when we upload new videos. You can also check us out on all social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, Instagram, TikTok, you name it. We're most likely on it. I also suggest checking out our website, which is www.addicts-anonymous.com. There you're going to find plenty of free resources and free literature. So I really hope you enjoyed today. And until next time.